are live from the Oxygen Community Studios here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. DJ Humphreys, Cardinals left tackle on, um, this was funny. It was it was funny, but then it got us thinking that maybe there was something a little more to this that we should talk about a little bit. DJ Humphreys was meeting with the media today and was talking about Kyler Murray, Rondale Moore, and what he called explosive little guys. I think we might be breaking the mold here. Uh, I said it in the beginning of the year. We got the most explosive little guys in the league. Like, I don't think it's a group of of, of, of five, ten, and under guys that are just like, you know what I mean, as a group, as a whole. I think we got a lot of those dudes. We look at K1, Rondell, and Andy. Those, are, those, those guys are all about the same height, and all of them are super explosive. I don't know if we got another team in, in the league with, with three little guys that are super explosive like that. So I think, it's, I think it's funny to watch because when I came into the league, I always thought the league was all about, like, Bigger, faster, stronger, and then like seeing like some of the athletes that we get now and how explosive and how like effective they are, and they're small. I'm like, yo, this is, this is the like I see why people was picking at me when I was a young player and I was 300 pounds. Like you're not gonna be able to do this. It's new NFL, man. It's the new NFL, man. Revenge of the little explosive guys. <laughs> the little guys, the explosive. Now, including the explosive a- be able to play in this league at 160 pounds. <laughs> excluding Andy Isabella from this conversation, not because of his size, but because he obviously hasn't made much of a contribution. Um, it's funny. Made us laugh. We heard it and went, okay, that, that that's cute. But I, I don't think he was entirely joking. Maybe he was. DJ Humphreys is kind of a jokester. But but I don't know if he was entirely joking about this. He, he talks about setting a new trend, starting a revolution, the new mold in the NFL are, are – are the Cardinals doing something here that other teams are going to be able to replicate, or will size always matter the most when it comes to the NFL? No, I, I, it's a combination of size and speed. I mean, it, it has to be. It has to be a combination. Speed has always been a part of the game. I mean, you know, I, I remember when the NFL was trying to get track stars in the game. It was Willie Galt. It was Ronaldo Nehemiah who played in the game. I mean, track stars because that speed. I mean, when the Cardinals draft, I mean, how many speed guys have the Cardinals drafted before these guys? John Brown was a speed guy. And was a Rob Hausler was a speed guy. Right. Um, now, they all don't work out because you still got to be able to catch them. Well, God, there was a oh, J.J. Nelson. Remember J.J. Oh, Nelson? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, how fast was J.J. Nelson? The difference is having speed guys that can that can catch. Plenty of guys could have, you know, you could have plenty of speed guys, but can you have speed guys that can run great routes and can catch the ball and have that explosiveness? I mean, Devontae Smith, he went to the Eagles at, what was he, like? A, he was a t- an eighth, ninth, tenth pick in the draft. I can't remember exactly. Uh, he's, a, he's a little guy. You know, he's, he's, he doesn't weigh very much. Right. At Alabama, I mean, it was a whole knock on him. Is my God, he's so skinny. So um, I don't think that this is new. I just think when you have them and they're good, plenty of teams have them and they're not good. When you have them in there, good. It just sticks out like a sore thumb. I, I think where it's new, you're you're right among the skill position players. I, I don't think it's particularly new or revolutionary or like reinventing the wheel there. 
I do think Kyler kind of reinvents the wheel a little bit, and I don't know. Hundred percent. I, I I don't know if there there aren't going to be a lot of Kyler Murrays in future drafts, right? I, I mean, maybe there will be another couple here over the next few years, but in terms of of the guy who is his same size, who has the same skill set, who can do the same freaky good things that he can do. I, I, it's hard to say that that's going to be the new standard for the NFL because I just don't think college football is churning out players like that, like Kyler, that the NFL can look at and go, yep, go get me one of those guys at quarterback because his skill set is just so, his skill set in combination with his size is just so unique. I, I He's the mold breaker. I, I just don't know if there's going to be Another one of him in the next five years. Uh, you know, remember when Michael Vick played? He was rare and unique. And at the time, you're like, oh, my God. But there weren't any other guys like him. There weren't any guys like him. There's more of those guys now, but they're not the size. Like, there's more. You, you can't judge it by the size. you got to judge it by what they do, the ability to run, the ability to get out of the pocket and create, the ability to – you know, to have a draw play, and the quarterback takes it for 12 yards up the middle for a touchdown. Like, Lamar Jackson can do it, and, and, and Justin Fields can do it. And there's more guys now that aren't pocket passers. In the past, you know, the, the majority of the guys in the league were pocket passers, and you'd have a couple of guys that can – I mean, how many guys do you really remember that were great runners? Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham – we can go back to Fran Tarkenton, but Steve Young you know, go, to a lesser extent. Steve Young, okay, go through Cardinal quarterbacks. Go Cardinal quarterback Jake Plummer would would run a little bit, he could right? Run Jake a little. Run. Oh, he run uh, a little. You know, yeah. Kurt Warner didn't run. Carson Palmer didn't run. Ken Graham didn't run. Dave Brown didn't run. I mean, how many running quarterbacks have the Cardinals had in their in their time? Very few, not very many. Very, at all. But most teams are like that. You can yeah. go through every team and say, okay, go through their quarterbacks over the last. You know, twenty years. How many? They'd have a couple of guys that can run, but now it's becoming, you know, now it's becoming more acceptable because now these quarterbacks, you know, in the past you think, okay, I got a running quarterback, he can't throw, but now these guys can run and they can throw. Well, and that's and that's the key. That that's what that, that that's it right there in, in a nutshell. You, it, it it's it used to be you were either one or the other. You know, Steve Young was, in my mind, the one guy who was kind of the real first prototypical, oh, no, he can actually do both. Like, he can do both very, very well. But for the most part, running quarterbacks have been running quarterbacks, and throwing quarterbacks have been throwing quarterbacks, and there hasn't been a lot of crossover between the two. And I, I think, to a lesser extent with Lamar Jackson, I, I still think of him more as a running quarterback. I really do think Kyler Murray is that guy – who is the true crossover blend of? I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I, this I, I I need to look it up just to be sure. But next gen stats does like well, they do stats on everything, right? They're next gen stats. They did a stat on how fast Kyler Murray was running when he threw that touchdown pass to Rondell Moore last week against the Vikings. It was insane. He was running like eighteen miles per hour when he made that throw, right? So. The list of guys who could throw a ball like that, running as fast as he was running, while avoiding pressure from his backside and his front side, that's not a real long list, Gambo. There are not a lot of guys who are going to be on that list of guys who could do that exact same play that Kyler could. I don't think there are a lot of guys in college who are coming up through the ranks who could do that play 
that Kyler did. He is a very unique individual with his skill set. Right. And they're not going to be like you're not going to you're not going to find a guy like him. But again, can it's not it's not can you find a guy like him? It's can you find a quarterback that can that can run and throw? Can you find a dual threat quarterback? Can you find that type of player? He doesn't he could be 5'10", 5'11". You can have a guy at 6'2", and runs. You know, but you're seeing more and more of these quarterbacks in the league now that have the ability to get out and, and run, and that's a threat. Uh, but in the past, there, was seven, there were several guys that, that could run, but they just, they just couldn't throw, and so they don't last very – look, honestly, Michael Vick couldn't even throw, but he was so good of a runner that it kind of, over, you know, it kind of overcame his inability to throw the ball accurately. Exactly. Exactly. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, to look at the week three schedule in the NFL, you will see that most of the premier games this weekend are in the NFC West. So how big of a deal is this weekend for the Cardinals with everything going on around them? We'll talk about that next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Since Monday... Give or take. We've basically been calling this Cardinals game against Jacksonville a must-win game. And not necessarily all because the Cardinals are 2-0 or because Jacksonville's 0-2 or because Jacksonville looks like they might be one of the worst teams in the league and you can't squander an opportunity to get a win against one of the worst teams in the league. It's also because, Gambo, of you know what's going on around them in the NFC West. And not just specific to Week 3, but just in general three of what's considered to be the best teams in the NFL, and certainly the NFC, are all in the NFC West. And all three of them have tough to really tough matchups this weekend. You've got the cupcake if you're the Cardinals. You've got to make sure you take care of business against the cupcake because you don't know what's going to happen when the Rams play the Bucks on Sunday afternoon. You don't know what's going to happen when Seattle plays Minnesota. The NFL is so different than all the other sports. I mean, you don't really scoreboard watch, you know, in the NBA until, you know, more than halfway through the season. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, we didn't really start trying to figure out, you know, do you want to play the Clippers? Do you want to play the Jazz? Could you get the one seed? Can you play, should you be three? You didn't, we didn't start thinking about that until very late in the season. The NFL is different. I mean, you, you are looking at the teams that you are competing with for a playoff spot right from the get-go. If you feel like you have a playoff team. So like if you're the Jaguars, you're not. But if you're the Cardinals, man, we are ultra-focused on what the Rams do, what Seattle does, and, and what the 49ers do. And this is a week that plays very well. It should play very well if things go right for these teams to, to take some losses. I mean, the Rams got to go play Tampa Bay. Um, the 49ers got to play the Packers. You know, Seattle's got the Vikings. I mean, Seattle's probably got the easiest matchup outside of the Cardinals, especially if Dalvin Cook doesn't play. But if Cook plays, Minnesota could win that game. Packers and, and the 49ers, I mean, that's, that should be a hell of a game. And then the Bucks and the Rams. I mean, it's a big test for the Rams. It's a big test to see if they could win this game. If the Rams win this game, I, I, don't, I don't really know what else matters uh, on Sunday. I, I think they're going to be the talk, of the talk of the NFL if they beat the Bucks. Like, you know, remember you, you brought something out this week about what teams are Tier 1, Tier 2, and, and I think the Bucks were the only team in Tier 1. They were. They were. It was, yeah. uh, it was a playoff ranking on the Athletic, and they were the right. only team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll there. change if the Rams win this game. If the Rams win this game and they beat the Bucks, they're going to be considered a Tier 1 playoff team that could, that could get to the Super Bowl. Big time. Big time. And, 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 and it, 
look, we all know we all know what Tom Brady is to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They won a Super Bowl together. No one is still quite sure what Matthew Stafford is for the LA Rams. We think it's an upgrade. We're we're sure actually we don't think it's an upgrade. We know it's an upgrade. We don't know how much of an upgrade it is. Is it is it the kind of upgrade that makes the Rams the favorites to your point in the NFC or is it still Brady and the Bucks? We're not going to know definitively that answer after Sunday afternoon, but I think we're going to have a better idea of that answer on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I I think this is a potentially volatile weekend. For the for the for the division, I really really do, and, and you're 100 percent right about the scoreboard watching. Man, I don't remember scoreboard watching, really scoreboard watching for the Suns until there was about a month left in the season, and mostly just because it was the Lakers, you know, and you were watching them to see how far they were going to fall and were they going to fall into the play-in tournament, were the Suns going to play them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I, I think all three of the Cardinals division rivals are in real danger this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if all three won. I wouldn't be surprised if all three lost. Uh, Minnesota, it's their home opener. They haven't played in front of fans there, like everybody, in two years. We don't know what's going to go on with Dalvin Cook. i got to imagine Minnesota's going to play with crazy desperation because if they fall to 0-3, they're done. That's it. They're done. Right. They're not going to the playoffs. I think the, the counterbalance to that is for some crazy reason, Russell Wilson has never lost to the Minnesota Vikings. He's 7-0 and against them, and this is like the fourth time they've played since 2018. This is, this is like to Seattle what the Detroit Lions are to the Arizona Cardinals. For whatever reason, they just always play the Minnesota Vikings. They have a bunch, and Russell Wilson's always done really well against them. He has. I mean, there's, there's, there's no question about that, but, I mean, again, I think if – I mean, Minnesota's 0-2, but they've lost two games by four points. Right, I, They could easily be 1-1. One one, but two games, they could be 2-0. and oh. The problem with the Vikings, they just can't stop anybody. They're giving up 30 points a game. They're scoring a plenty, but they're just giving up a lot of points. So it's their defense that, that's the problem. If they, if they have Cook, I think, you know, listen, if Cook plays and he's healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if they win that game. Not at all. But you just, you know, I mean, if, 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 if I, but, but okay, I'm going to ask you this question. You could have one team in the NFC West lose right now. Who do you want it to be? Okay, hold on a sec. I can. Are you talking about this weekend? I can have you one. Can, I can have one team lose in the one NFC team West. Lose one team can lose in the NFC West. Your choice. Who do you want it to be? Okay, the first thing that pops to mind is Seattle. Me too. Just because it puts them Me at the too. bottom. You know, totally. It, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I to, I, I didn't know where you were going to go. I I would have bet a lunch that you would have not have gone Seattle. But the first thing is, get somebody out of the way, man. Get somebody out of the way. Give Seattle another loss. Put them two games behind you. Give yourself some distance because I do think three teams could get in. I think three can get in, maybe four. Some people might say the Rams, and I'll worry about the Rams when they play the Rams. I'll worry about the 49ers when they play the 49ers. But right now, Seattle's got a loss. So if I could pick one team, and that would have been a great poll question, um, unfortunately, we don't have a show tomorrow. But if you can pick <laughs> one team, Mitch, if you throw it up now, if you throw it up now, I'll, I'll, I'll retweet that. You can have one team lose in the NFC West. Do you want to be the Rams, the 49ers, or Seattle? I completely agree with Bernsey. Let's, let, let's eliminate somebody. 
not eliminate them, but you know what I mean. Let, no, let's, yeah, it's, let's give Seattle another loss. It's not an entire elimination, right? It's not a complete, okay, oh, that's it. They're 2-2. Two and two, They're done. I mean, of course not. And, and neither one of us are, are suggesting that. But it, it certainly does. Distance. 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 Yeah. Separ- not even separation. Just a little bit of, of room between the two of them for exactly the reason that you said. It's, it wouldn't be that big of a deal for three teams to get in from this division. I think most people expect it. It would be a really big deal for four teams to get in from this division, for every team from the NFC West to be a playoff team. Chances are decent. There's going to be somebody on the outside looking in. Well, let's, let's put Seattle in the position of being the leader in the clubhouse for being that team on the outside looking in. Doesn't mean it's going to be them. But it would certainly make them the leader in the early leader in the clubhouse for it. I'd say Seattle. I'd yep. absolutely say Seattle. Me too. Yep. I, and I don't know that people would agree. I think people. You could look at it another way. You could look at it like this. I think that if people, if you think the Rams are the toughest team, and you want to go for the division title, you might say the Rams. You might say let the Rams lose because my goal eventually is to take on the Rams and to beat the Rams. So I think I think a lot of people. If we ask this question, I think a lot of people would say the Rams. Yeah. It's going to be a busy day on Sunday, that's for sure. You've got uh, – so we just got done talking about Seattle versus the Vikings. That's an afternoon game on Sunday. So depending on what package you have, I, and I don't know what games are being televised locally, but the Cardinals play in the morning, and then in the afternoon window, it's Seahawks-Vikings, Buccaneers-Rams, both in the same broadcast window in the afternoon on Sunday. Then Sunday night, it's the Packers versus the 49ers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers playing the team that you know knocked him out of the Super Bowl contention in the NFC Championship game less than two years ago. And, of course, the Bucks and the Rams, one undefeated team is going to fall from the ranks. Other than that, I mean, there are decent games this weekend. There aren't, like, super special games. I'm kind of looking forward to the Chargers and the Chiefs just because I want to watch Herbert versus versus Pat Mahomes to see how kind of that that works and and because of those two young quarterbacks could dominate that division for the next 10 15 years. Um but there's not there's not a lot of great this weekend. There's a lot of okay eh, the Saints Patriots okay, Washington and the Bills uh, okay. The premier games, the must-watch stuff, it's all NFC West to me. It really is. And and by the way, Congrats to the Panthers, the first 3-0 and team this week in the NFL. They handled the Texans just fine last night, 24-9. Hassan Reddick looked really good. Sam Darnold looked really good. But for the Panthers, they lost J.C. Horn for two to three months with a broken foot. And Christian McCaffrey is out with a hamstring injury. I haven't seen how long they think he's going to be the, out. Uh, weren't the Panthers one of the teams that was their name came up for, like, Deshaun Watson? Yes. Was it? Was it? Was it? Yes, the it was Panthers. Them. It was the Panthers. Man, they might not do anything at the quarterback spot. They might be. They might be good with Sam Darnold. As crazy as it is to say it, you might be right. He was the number three pick of the draft, not that long ago. The Jets are, you know, it's it's it's, it's, a, uh, it's a it's a horrible environment. It is. It's a horrible organization uh-huh. to work for. Uh, it, it just it just is, and so. Maybe we shouldn't be that surprised that he goes somewhere else. In fact, I I saw this and I thought of you. Um, Bill Barnwell tweeted this out, talking about Sam Darnold, okay? When he was with the Jets and he stepped onto the field with the Jets, they were losing in 60% of his dropbacks. So 60% of the time he dropped back to throw a pass, they were losing in the game at that moment. 
They were tied 15%. They were ahead only 26%. So far in Carolina, and I know it's just three games, he hasn't taken one snap where he's been behind. Not one. He's been tied 25% of the time. He's been ahead 75% of the time in Carolina. Look at what a difference your environment around you makes when it comes to the scoreboard and how you're doing with how good you can be as a quarterback. You know, we've always known it, but this is just the example. Like, you don't have enough examples. Ryan Tannehill's an example. He had Joe Philbin and Adam Gase in Miami. Big time. And now he's a good quarterback because he's got a good coach and a good environment in Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, he was 14-16 for 146 yards in the second half, Sam Darnold was. I'm not saying he's arrived. I'm just saying maybe he might be the next Ryan Tannehill. He might be the next, Could be. you know, escape from a bad team, find a good organization, and now Tannehill's making $140 million or whatever Could it was. Could the Jets be like Alcatraz? Could it be escape from Alcatraz? <laughs> Could the Jets be Alcatraz? Did Sam Darnold swim across the San Francisco Bay like Clint Eastwood did back yeah. then? He, he, he could be Clint Eastwood, yeah. When we come back, not that we want the Jags to be successful on Sunday. We don't. But their, primarily, their primary responsibility is going to be one guy, and we all know who the guy is. It's the question of whether they've got the personnel to stop him. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. All right, Friday afternoon here on the Vern's and Gambo Show. Uh, Gambo, Mitch did put together that poll question for you. Oh, you, yes, I, re- I, I saw that. You can have only one team in the NFC West lose this weekend. Who do you want it to be? 58% of the 389 people who have voted so far say the L.A. Rams. Okay, let, let, let's talk about this for a minute here. I'm not surprised at that because that's – like, that's going for the jugular. That's going for the NFC West crown. The Rams are the biggest threat to win the NFC West based on what we believe right now. So having the Rams take a loss helps the Cardinals. I, You know, me and you both said Seattle because we're just trying to get somebody out of the way. Trying to eliminate somebody as quickly as possible because three teams will very likely make the playoffs in this division because it's so good. It would be great for Seattle to have two losses in their first three games. Yeah, the Rams at 58%, Seahawks at 24, 49ers at 18%. And and you're absolutely, and that and that's I'm not surprised by the results of this cuz I think most people are looking at it with the eye of they're the top, they're the best, knock them from the perch, knock them from the top. They're the one make yeah. make them come back to earth a little bit. But I It's a, it's a it's an interesting question. Yeah, it is. And as you could see and I'm looking at the poll results now, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of difference in opinion on that. Some people say, you know, 58% say the Rams, 24% say Seattle, 175 say the 49ers. I'm dealing with it's, jerks who are writing in Cardinals, too. I'm not really a fan of that one. I know. Heber. Come on, Heber. Cardinals should be an option, too. No, it's what benefits the Cardinals the most. A loss by the Rams, Seattle, or the 49ers. What benefits the Cardinals the most? We don't know. We we know a loss doesn't benefit the Cardinals the most. No, it does not. It does not. But it's I, just dumb. Someone's being eh, just be, just being a troll a little bit. But that's fine. We we come to expect that. Job number one for the Jaguars is might be the, one of the toughest jobs in the NFL, and that's keeping an eye on Kyler Murray. Jags linebacker Miles Jack yesterday quote: Everyone says contain the quarterback. You can't contain somebody like that. He's super fast, super agile. The main thing in the back end is to make sure we're covering downfield. 
they had big plays where receivers got loose last week and they turned them into points. All four wide receivers' positions, they can go. They spread things out. They let Kyler find people and run around. It should be fun, the type of game you live for, close quote. The defensive coordinator, same article, was quoted about about Kyler being a rare breed, elusive with their legs and can throw the ball. It does seem like to start off year three, Kyler has truly come into his own in terms of being able to tap into every single superpower he's got out there on a football field. Yeah, and he's not running for a crazy amount of yards. He's not Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, he's not Lamar. No. He's not running for these this crazy amount of yards. But but um, can I cut you off to- for a second? But you know what yeah. he is doing? He's still running a lot. It's just not to create. Yeah. It's not on the other lo- side of the line of scrimmage. It's behind the line of scrimmage. He's not yeah. he's not running to gain yards. He's running to gain time. He's running to buy himself windows and time and for receivers to break off and okay. uh, you, right i mean he's 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 been doing that a ton but you're right he's not running for positive so yardage he's on pace for 426 rushing yards this year he's got just let's just say 25.5 times 17 is um 20 because he's average he's got 51 yards rushing so that's 25.5 times 17 is 433 yards rushing, 433. He had 819 rushing yards last year. He had 819, and he's on pace for 433. His rookie season, he had 544. So, I mean, do we like this? There will probably be games where he rushed, but, but sure. he's only got an average of 25 yards rushing the first two games. Um, I love it. I mean, I, I think there's more he can and tap that's with into. an extra game, too, Burns. Yeah, yeah. That's with a 17th game, not a 16th game. I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how I want to say this. I I like it, and and I borderline love it. I think there's more he can do when he can get outside and, and run for positive yardage. But I think what Kyler has started to figure out now is, yeah, I could run and pick up seven yards, or I could buy myself another second and a half, and I could pick up 25 yards. You know, because I'm seeing the field and I'm buying myself time. I think eventually he'll start running for more yards beyond the line of scrimmage. But I'm looking at the same stats you are. He officially, in game one against Tennessee, he had five carries for 20 yards. But we know firsthand that on that play to Rondale Moore, he ran 43 yards behind the line of scrimmage before he made that completion, right? right? On the the bootleg where he got pressured against Minnesota, I'm going to guess... He probably ran about 15 yards on that play. There were plays like that last year, too. There were. There were plays like that there last were, year. There were, but I, I, oh, I feel like he's at, through two games, I feel like he's got a better command of what he's looking for down the field when he does it this year. As, right, opposed, break, as opposed to last year where it was just kind of chaos. You know? So let's just break down again, short sample size. He's got 10 rushing attempts. If I did five, so that's five per game. If I did a 16 game season, five times 16. 80 rushing attempts he would have over 16 games. He had 133 last year. Yeah. He had 133 rushing attempts. Right now he's on pace for 80 over 16 games, 80, 85 over 17. Now let's see what happens. I mean, I don't we don't know if this is by design or they're just trying to keep him safe and you know keep him out of trouble, but um he is he is, you know, he's not pacing to gain a thousand and they don't want him to. Like they don't want him to have 1000 yards rushing. Oh, I think this version of him is better. Sprinkled in with maybe a little more 
running for positive gain. I think this version of him, I think this version of him is the one where he taps into almost all of his superpowers. And the running is to benefit the passing as opposed to, oh crap, what do I do? This play has gone south and I got to make something out of it. Um, I, I think the running he's doing behind the line of scrimmage, it's still some of that, but it's leading to these big, huge chunk plays down the field. Join Bud Light, the official beer of the Cardinals, for a Red Sea Road Rally. It's this Sunday at Philly Sports Grill on Warner and Tempe. A Red Sea Road Rally. Now, remember, kickoff is at 10 a.m. There's going to be food specials, football prizes throughout the event. Go to the events page at ArizonaSports.com for more details on that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, an opponent the Cardinals should beat on Sunday, an opponent the Sun Devils should beat on Saturday. Are they going to? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Saturday nights at Sun Devil Stadium. ASU trying to get that awful taste out of their mouth after what happened against BYU last Saturday night in which uh, they went up to BYU and we talked about the crowd. We talked about them having to deal with the crowd. They just were not prepared for it at all. They weren't prepared to deal with it. Four, what was it, four false start penalties over the course of six plays? In six plays, yeah. they had four false start penalties. It's just in, incre- Incredible. You never see that. No, you, no, you don't. And it was it was painful to watch. It was almost embarrassing to watch, really, when, when looking back on it. It was almost cringeworthy. Now they've got a chance for, if not redemption, at least you know, kind of the road to repairing themselves. They've got Colorado, a team that last week against Minnesota, 63 total yards of offense. That's it, 63. It was an embarrassment. They looked off. I mean, there were a lot of embarrassing things that happened in the Pac-12 last weekend. Trust me, ASU losing to BYU was one of the furthest things from one of the most embarrassing things to happen. U of A lost to NAU. Colorado had 63 yards against Minnesota. It was, it was, it was serious. It was, I mean, honestly, it, we, we're, we're mortified at the 16 penalties ASU had, and that was embarrassing. It was a god-awful weekend for the conference last weekend, and for ASU, their chance to try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again a little bit on Saturday night. I don't think I can put it all the way together, yeah. Gambo, but you can start on Saturday night. Don't forget Utah lost to was it, San Diego State. Yes, triple overtime, right? Yeah, Utah lost, and then their quarterback decided, you know, I don't want to play here anymore, and he just <laughs> left. So I, I got, he got benched, and the, the, the quarterback just decided, that's it, I'm done. Brewer, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to play for them anymore. It was a... And it's been just it's been terrible for the Pac-12 overall. We've talked, you know, a lot about you know the conference and how they've fared. I mean, they've had uh, 23 non-conference games. Uh, they're three and six against the Power Five, there, which is not good. They're six and eight against teams from the Group of Five, which is terrible. BYU's three and zero oh, uh, against the Pac-12. It's uh, there's it's just it's terrible. The Pac-12 just has been abysmal. I mean, yeah. got five losses to the Mountain West. Three losses to BYU, two losses to FCS teams. It's just a mess. Now you get into the you know, more of the meat of the schedule, and as 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 disappointed as people may be with ASU, win this game against Colorado. Everything's still in line to to win the Pac-12 South, to play for a Pac-12 championship, to go to a Rose Bowl. That hasn't been taken away yet. I mean, you told me earlier that they lost another uh, commitment, I think a four-star commitment. Four-star defensive back, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, so they're taking the hits. Like they're, they're gonna. That's why this is the year. That's why you know, all your chips are in right now because you know they're they're losing recruits left and right. They're gonna have a, they have a very senior laden team. You know, next year they're gonna have like two starters back on defense. <laughs> that's what they're gonna have. Right. They're gonna have one starter back on the offensive line. So you start to go through it, and it's like, okay, this you know next year they're going to be young and and probably a lot of inexperience. So this is the year to do it. And I guess in a way you're happy you get somewhat of a cupcake in Colorado to kind of get to kind of get things going. But we're all concerned that if they don't get things going, what does it mean? Yeah, I think they're going to get things going against Colorado. I'm like I said earlier, I'm less concerned about the scoreboard and more concerned about how the Sun Devils get there, that they've got to respond with a cleaner, more disciplined effort than what we saw last Saturday. Because if it's more of the same, if they if it's double-digit penalties again, even in a win, even in a two-touchdown win against Colorado, they hit double digits and penalties again, I'm going to come in here Monday thinking the season is lost for ASU. I'm going to come in here Monday wondering if they're ever going to be disciplined enough to really compete in this division because they, they just, they've got to respond to what they did on Saturday night by playing a cleaner football game. So we'll see what they do. It's time for the Vizzy Hard Seltzer What's On Tonight games we're going to watch this evening. And it's brought to you by Vizzy Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer crafted with antioxidant vitamin C. Proud sponsor of your Arizona Diamondbacks. And that's what we're going to be watching tonight. The Diamondbacks taking on the L.A. Dodgers, 641st pitch. Let's get you ready for that game right now. The home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball is 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. We're checking in on the D-backs as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic. This is how we Sonic. Stop by your nearest location today for the new Sonic Grilled Cheeseburger for a limited time, only at Sonic. And by Trajan Wealth. Get your retirement on deck with Trajan Wealth, your local trusted financial fiduciary. TrajanWealth.com. The first of three against the L.A. Dodgers tonight, and your pitching matchup is brought to you by the Berg Simpson Law Firm. When the game is on the line and you've been injured, Nobody matches up to the Berg Simpson Law Firm. Visit BergSimpson.com. That's B-U-R-G Simpson.com. Good lawyers changing lives from Chase Field tonight. Humberto Castellanos, he gets to start for Arizona. The righty is 2-1 with a 4-1-1 ERA. Tony Gonsolin, the righty for the L.A. Dodgers, gets to start this evening. He's 3-1 on the year with a 2-9-3 ERA, Gambo. Yeah, Dodgers have owned the Diamondbacks this season. Uh, and the Diamondbacks are 29 and 46 at home. The Dodgers are 46 and 32 on the road. And, and the most interesting thing, the fascinating thing is that this race between the Giants and Dodgers, uh, it's a historic race. They're both going to get over 100 wins. And whoever doesn't win this division is it's going to be, you know, one of the most amazing things we've seen in the history of this format. Uh, to win all of these games and not win your division. It just it just doesn't happen. So this is unprecedented territory. There's yeah. nine games left. The Giants have 99 wins. The Dodgers have 98. One of these clubs is going to be the most decorated wild card teams uh, that's ever played. It, it's, I'm looking at the wild card standings right now. It's insane. The L.A. Dodgers are wild card team number one right now with 98 wins, as we mentioned. They have a run differential of plus 247. The St. Louis Cardinals wow. right now are wild card team number two. 
They're 14 games back in the standing from the Dodgers with a run differential of plus 21, and yet all it would take is the Cardinals winning one game to eliminate the L.A. Dodgers if that's the wild card matchup. And, oh, by the way, St. Louis won their 13th straight game today. There is... These next six games that the Diamondbacks are going to play against the Giants Paul and the Dodgers. Goldschmidt again today. Yeah, he Paul hit another Goldschmidt one. again. He hit another and one. And playing today. again. He got a doubleheader. So. It's, but they're, they're both on pace to win 104 games. That would be the most of any second-place finisher since the wild card format was introduced in 1995. Yeah. It is crazy, crazy, crazy how much a bad team like the Arizona Diamondbacks can influence this historical race. I mean, yeah, there's, been, there's been two wild card teams that have won at least 100 games. The 2018 Yankees, they won 100, and they beat Oakland in the one-game playoff. And then they lost to the Red Sox. And I can't remember who uh, the, the, uh, the other one was. But there's been, two, there's been two teams in the wild card era to win 100 games and then um, and then you know, and play have to play in the wild card game after winning a hundred yeah. games. Yeah, those are the standings, and they're brought to you by PNC Bank Financial Tools and Tech to help make things easier. The Arizona Diamondbacks, by the way, are they going to end up with the worst record in baseball right now? They are once again tied with the Baltimore Orioles. Remember, Diamondbacks have to win three more games to avoid the worst season in franchise history. Let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. D-backs keys to the game brought to you by Sell Two Sands. Take away the hassle of selling a vehicle yourself. Go to SellTwoSands.com today. Got a quick one for me tonight, Gambo? I would say don't let him pee in the pool, but let's do this. <laughs> Gavin Lux, since he got called up from AAA in the 11 games, he's batting 444 on base plus slugging percentage of 1.163, and he's playing center field, a position he had never played in the major leagues until recently, but they just got to get his bat in the lineup. So Gavin Lux has been really helping. The, he's batting eighth, but he's really been carrying the Dodgers offensively. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're out of here. We'll see you Monday, straight up 2 o'clock here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Have a great night, everyone.